Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a little bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burnt Orange Nation. You can find all the best Texas Longhorns coverage at www.burntorangenation.com. And as you find this podcast, please subscribe, leave us a rating or review on iTunes or wherever you find this, share it with a friend, share it with a coworker. And again, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play, wherever you found this podcast. So my name is Gerald Goodridge and I'm joined this week, like I am every week, by my good friend, a man who's mean to a mic like Shaq to a ball, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? I'm doing excellent, doing better now. The Astros just tied it up in the first game of the World Series. Uh go Astros but uh you'll have to give give a little insight that uh, that rap quote was from uh that is from the first off the very first CD I ever bought uh DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince Code Red um it was his last album that he put out as the Fresh Prince so it's it's kind of a monumental album and I, I get to be a part of history which is great that's fantastic and to keep it uh themed with other non-texas football sports teams because we're really trying to avoid this one uh Shaq has a birthday two days away from mine and so as a kid I used that and the fact that he played high school ball in our hometown of San Antonio Texas uh to justify for about six months being a non-Spurs fan and being a Shaq Magic fan but uh I came home what what kid wasn't a Shaq Magic fan in like the early to mid 90s it was hard hard not to be a Shaq fan well Kyle alluded to it, but we're going to try to digest, break down this ugly thing that happened on Saturday in Austin, Texas. Took yet another L to Oklahoma State in Austin, and then we'll do a little bit of a Baylor preview. But let's just let's just pull the bandaid off. Let's just go ahead, rip it off. Texas played the best defensive game they've played all year and managed to lose thirteen to ten in overtime. To the Oklahoma State Cowboys after, again, a Herculean performance by the defense. Ellinger looked good right up until the last play where he inexplicably lobbed up an interception, got caught in the end zone, and ended the game for the poke. So, Kyle, what the heck happened on Saturday? Uh, I mean, there's the good, the bad, the ugly, the very good, the uh, quite good, and the just absolutely atrocious, however you want to break it down. I, I mean, start with the defense, I guess. Let's be positive to start this thing off. God bless our defense. Um, let's really enjoy the time we have with Todd Orlando. Um, yeah. You know, the the fact that he's able to do this and uh, really to rebound every time the other team gets something going or, or rebound like from the first week against Maryland or rebound against the first half against Oklahoma. I mean, the adjustments coupled with the the schemes and just the getting these guys playing their full potential tells me that he will be a great head coach somewhere next year. Maybe uh, he'll replace Kevin Sumlin when the Aggies fire him after, you know, uh, an inexplicable decision. But, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, the, the defense was fantastic. The stat that I love is in, in the past seven quarters, if you count overtime uh, against the number one offense, because so you coming in was the number one offense, and then we held them enough that OSU became the number one offense. Uh, they've surrendered 22 points, uh, 22 points against uh, in basically an overtime and, and six quarters should be enough to to win some football games uh, in, in any conference, but especially in, in the Big 12 um, because there's an expectation that you know how to score points. With a defense like this, this should be a, a six-win team. You can say the Maryland game was an outlier, but, I mean, just based on defensive performances, they've come out and won. 
uh, the defensive battle six games in a row. There's so many guys on this defense that I honestly think if, if this was a good team would be getting postseason award looks or, you know, right now would be on midseason award lists just because there have been guys coming out and playing like All-Americans. Um, I think Malik has looked exactly like what we hoped he would. And, you know, we had obviously Deshaun uh, really, uh, Deshaun Elliott really, Killing it in the beginning of the year and still looking good. Uh, Holton Hill has looked like a lockdown corner. Gary Johnson, you know, has to be the Juco get of the year. He's just looked fantastic scraping behind that line. Puna Ford has been unassailable. I mean, Holton Hill held James Washington, Mr. All-World in our preview. We said, you know, probably the best receiver, you know, in college football top whatever draft pick uh, in the NFL next year. He held him to 32 yards on on four catches. So uh, the defense came out, did exactly what they needed to do, and it's just a kick in the teeth for those guys that an unbelievable performance is sullied by by the offense that they were handed. I said it on, on Twitter on Saturday, but it bears repeating. The offense and the defense are like that couple that's been dating since college and the girl is way too awesome to be dating the guy and she just won't dump him. Like, that's what it feels like watching this team. Like you get so hyped. Like I was so excited watching Malik just dominate on Saturday. He's, he is that guy when he gets on the field and he makes a decision, I'm going to make this play. There is nothing Hell nor high water is going to stop him from making that play. Mm -hmm. Uh, Puna Ford finally got the shine that he deserves. We talk about him every week, how he doesn't really show up on the stat sheet, but he is what makes that defense tick. He's going to make some some NFL uh, defensive coordinator very, very uh, lucky next year to have him. He's going to make some offensive coordinators look really smart. Uh, Somehow their defense is going to get magically better when he shows up. So let's enjoy him while we've got him. Same with Malik. Uh, You know, like you said, Breck Hager was a guy that, that just flashed. He, you know, Tom Herman said it on his presser yesterday in you know, a Monday morning that Breck Hager's a guy that you just have to find a way to get him on the field. And because he was kind of between linebacker, defensive end, you know, he's not really big enough to be a defensive end, but he's not really fast enough to be a linebacker in this system. So they were just trying to find a way to get him on the field and it stinking worked out. You know, they, they put together what, what they call the lightning package where it's Puna at, at, at nose. Cause you can't take that guy out. And then you have, you know, Malcolm Roach on one side, Breck on the other, and then Malik at middle Gary on weak side and that that is the if they go to another package other than like a run package I will be surprised because Breck in that package came up with both sacks that Texas got on Saturday that guy was playing like a man with his hair on fire and his hair looks like he's on fire so it's, it was great it's a great feeling for me uh, you, you talked about Holton Hill Chris Boyd played one of the better games he's played all year. Uh, he and he and uh, PJ Locke did give up a couple of big passes. You know, Marcel Aitman did really victimize those two guys as the coverage really did tend towards um, the other side of the field with Washington. But still, you know, OSU didn't have a hundred yard receiver, and I I couldn't figure out the last time that happened. I think it was probably two seasons ago. I, I got honestly got tired of trying to figure out when the last time it happened. It just went so far back. So that was. That was impressive. Like, that was a, a, a Herculean performance. And again, like USC, I kept saying it throughout the game. Like, this, they can't hold up. The, the dam's going to break. They can't hold up. The dam's going to break. And it never did. And so this is a championship-level defense. If, if the offense can figure out what the heck it wants to be and, and figure out how to put a game plan together, they win games. They, they have the defensive talent to win out. They don't have the offensive talent to do it in any way, shape, right. or form. But if the defense plays, and that's not a shot. That is a shot at the offense. The offense is playing terribly. But that if, they, if this defense continues to play like it did on Saturday, they have a shot to win every game if this offense could figure out a way to put up points. And so let's, let's just go there. Like what, what is up with the offense? Like what, 
What is going on? This offense has clearly regressed from a year ago. Different scheme, obviously, but a lot of similar players. Didn't lose a ton. I mean, obviously, Deontay losing a, losing a Doak Walker Heisman finalist hurts. Uh, Connor Williams going down hurts, but not a ton of change. A lot of talent infused. So, Kyle, what, what's going on with the offense? I mean, we, again, where do you want to start? The the run game, the play calling, the the, the pass catching, the quarterback. I mean, there's uh, you can – dissect this anyway and none of it's particularly fun um i mean i think the run game obviously is 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 huge uh like you said replacing a heisman caliber running back a a playing well on sundays uh running back in foreman is 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 difficult but we all had high hopes for chris warren and 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 i just feel maybe a little foolish like i was duped like maybe he isn't that good. Maybe it was a you know he had a little more a little more time and didn't have the pressure last year, or he did it against bad defenses like Tech. Uh, I don't want to write the kid off, but it's definitely uh, he looks uh, even a step slower. He's still strong. He's still uh, doing pretty well in the in the blitz pickup in the pass game. Like does some of the things right. Uh, has been pretty good coming out of the backfield receiving. Just can't seem to get it. And I get it. Uh, he's the type of running back that he needs a little head of steam. Um, and maybe that's where you segue a little bit into the play calling because I, I just don't understand stretch plays with him. I don't understand uh, some of the, the calling. I understand they're they're trying to get outside of the tackles to try to mitigate the the line, and you know you don't have the tight ends for that. You don't have um, you know you don't have the pass threat. You haven't established that. It just I don't really understand the schemes. And and to give one more shout to Orlando, I think it was a genius scheme that that. Uh, three two six package you were talking about the most athletic dime the lightning package was genius they dared Oklahoma State like oh man we got a dime switch to the run you know and then they had guys flying downhill and they just drew up a great great game plan and executed it I don't understand why the offense can't do that I understand there's there's injuries there's there's missing pieces but you have to be able to optimize the talent you have at this point seven games in you have to know what people can do you have to know what your weapons are um, you have to know what things you have to mitigate against and you have to take blows as they come it, it no one ever wants to deal with line injuries and, and we had this issue during Charlie's era too when you know we didn't have anyone senior when when we started getting injuries on that position but uh I feel like they did a better job uh, with that group than we've seen here. Um, I mean, these are kids who've been in the program. They've they've uh, been in spring practice at least. They've been getting reps now for you know seven weeks in the regular season. And I'm not seeing any growth, any development. I'm not seeing a consistent thread for what works. So let's stick with it. A consistent package, a consistent look. Uh, it's almost like every game there's a different. Oh, that worked. You know, let's try this. Um, I don't want to sit here and, and do the Texas fan trope of, of calling out the offensive coordinator, but uh, there was just some really schematic. Yeah, you can do that. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's it's. I would love Greg Davis now. Like there has been a history of Texas teams adapting to the talent that they have, from switching to a, a Ricky Williams offense to a Vince Young offense to a Colt McCoy, you know, the read option short pass. Like you, you optimize the talent and the strength that you have. That's what a good offensive coordinator does. Some people have a system and they plug people into it and they, and they do well that way. Um, but I mean, any truly great coach adjusts. That's why Greg Popovich is the greatest basketball coach in history is because the Spurs have a different identity every year and, and that they need it with the personnel that they have. And they execute it to the best of that talent level. There's obviously other things, but I don't want to say this is a Tim Beck issue. I don't want to say that this is Tom Herman. He's gone fire him issue. I'm not, I'm not that guy, but I, I just, it's baffling to me. I don't understand how they can, how they can continue to 
to look so mediocre when they're given good, they're given three and outs, they're given a pretty good field position. They just, they can't execute. You said something there about, about the scheme and I, and I'm going to talk out of both sides of my mouth here. So just be prepared for that. But I think it's, it's a Beck thing, but it's also not a Beck thing. Cause I think, I think this offense looks significantly better if the, if the offensive line isn't held together with, with, like I said last week, medical tape and, and prayers, like this offense looks a lot better, but Tim Beck is notorious for, for feeding his quarterback runs. And that that's his system. You know, I looked at the statistics last year, guess who the leading uh, rusher was on the Ohio state football team. JT Barrett. He had more carries than anybody else on the team. This is Tim Beck's system. He is going to run the quarterback, but this is not the quarterback to run that with. This is not, and and this is not a knock on Ellinger. He is a fantastic quarterback. He's a great dual threat guy. He's not a running quarterback though. He is a move the pocket, shift the pocket, use my feet. When, when coverage breaks down or when the play breaks down, I can, I can pick up some yardage. He's not your run first quarterback. That's just not, I don't think that's who he is. And, and we've seen that, he got banged up and this week he's in the concussion protocol. Like you can't, you know, he's a freshman and he's a tough kid and I appreciate how tough he is. I love that he's a tough kid, but you don't want to bang this kid up like that early on. Cause you've seen what happens. We, yeah. David Ash, you know, three or four years ago, you put that in the show notes and, and you don't want to see him go that route. Cause this kid's got a lot of talent, but, but don't use him up all in his first season. Yeah. And the, the other thing is, is uh, we've, we've, we've banged the drum for the receiving core all year. Uh, this was the first game that they didn't look great. Um, I, I counted five drops and potential chain moving uh, first down catches. Uh, and that's, that's tough when you got a freshman kid who's already his, his game plan is shotgun snap, run for your life, try to set your feet somewhere and, and, you know, throw it to the, the open guy with four defenders in your face, you know, uh, the drops are tough and, and truly, I mean, they had a decent passing game, but I looked at it as well. 37% of the pass yards came on one play and that was a, you know, zero yard pass and a 90 yard yak. So, uh, credit to John Burt who got out of the, uh, Burt locker, but, um, nice. I didn't see anything from, from that group, uh, that looked great. Colin Johnson had, you know, one good catch and, and another almost catch. And, uh, we saw a couple guys get in the game who hadn't, hadn't got a ton of love. We saw Lorenzo Joe, uh, still missing our Monty Foreman. Um, Sam did miss Duvernay on a double move yet again. That was beautiful. That could have been a big play. Uh, just didn't, didn't lock in on him. Um, so, so those types of things are, are, are tough, but the receivers with that line and with, uh, Ellinger kind of having to get the ball, fling it out there, have to come up for their quarterback. Those five first downs, if you even get three or four of those, could have been a real different game. You extend some drives, you get worn a couple more touches, you stretch that defense back a little bit, let him get some out of steam. Uh, penalties, I mean, killed a couple good good worn runs, so his stats don't look quite as good as, it, as, uh, as they may have been. Um, I mean, the line just got overrun because they pinned their ears back. A, a, a draw would have been nice, but, uh, but yeah, I mean – you could go into depth at any any part of this. Uh, I'm just I'm just curious for you, what's it going to take for us to finish out the season in a way that's uh, even remotely salvageable? I think the first thing is this team's got to figure out who it is. Like who who are you? Are you a running team? Tom Herman says they're a running team. I don't know if they're a running team. Uh, are, are they are they a pass first team? Who who do they want to be? Are they going to be this this you know, tough nose smash mouth team? I don't know if that works in the Big Twelve. I think they've got to figure out who they are and. And again, we've said it before. They're they're like eleven points away from being six and one. Like that's mm-hmm. that's eighteen points away from being six and one. Like that is that's a legitimate thing. So at some point, 
you know, these these balls have to bounce in the other direction, you know. You can't fault Ellinger because they're not in overtime without him, so you can't really fault him for that. I just think it's one of those things that's a young team, and they've got to learn how to win. And I, I hate every – I think it's – I felt like in the last three years we've said, they're a young team, they're a young team, they're a young team. But they continue to be a young team because none of the talent that has been there – uh, is is playing up to its level of, of billing, especially offensively. I think defensively, the talent's playing up to its billing, but specifically offensively, I think the offense has to figure out who it is, and the offense has to play up to its level of talent. Because I think you've got way too much talent in that receiving core. You've got way too much talent in in, in the quarterbacks. You know, Bouchelle is no no slouch. He's not really the quarterback for this system, uh, but I do think he's a fantastic you know signal caller, and he's got a great arm on him. So uh, the offense has got to figure out who it's going to be, and I think they just got to play tough. Like it sounds like a cliche. It sounds like football football, coach verbiage, but it's a team that's just got to figure out how am I going to gut this out? I want this more than the other guy and I'm going to beat them. And I think that when, when that mentality kicks in fully for this offense, I, I think the sky's the limit. I agree. And I think learning how to win is, is a huge one. And I, I, I tortured myself a little bit by going back and looking at recent years and obviously the OSU, then OU and uh, this year, the USC game were all terrible. We've been Bad luck in overtime. I'm not going to mention Kansas last year, um, but you know, go, going back, you just had uh, the the fumble against Cal that we didn't recover and run back and lost forty five forty. And last year in a strong team, um, the uh, you know an OU game where we shouldn't have really been as close as we were, but couldn't finish it off with, and that's what really launched form into the NFL. Um, in the in the shootout last year, the uh, the uh, fake kneel by the uh, uh, Kingsbury Texas Tech team, um, the uh, little little was it little man big world or whatever play that ended up being the winner <laughs> for that that was just crazy. Um, the back to back weeks of the missed extra point, um, the Gerard Hurd crazy game to Cal, and then the uh, the the Oklahoma State fumbled punt, which I never thought I would love Michael Dixon again, but I do. Um, you know along with some Allen Eck refereeing, but still uh, just, just very, very, very winnable games. You can go back and go back. There's the, you know, the double uh, coin flip mishap with, with Charlie where UCLA got it twice and won 2017. Uh, I mean, all these games, like if, if, if half of these go, there has to be some law of odds. There's someone smarter than me listening to this podcast that make sure you uh, tweet at us and tell us what it's called, but there's gotta be, uh, there's something about you flip a coin a hundred times and, and you know, you, you regress to the mean at some point uh, you win, you win 50 of those at this point you know we're calling tails every time playing the odds and it somehow keeps coming up heads and I just I I don't understand I don't understand it but hopefully it's it's a mentality thing like you said and these kids can learn it because as a fan I'm really tired of it I'm tired of being so close and I don't have much heart left to break let's just close the book on that because because I'm going to get depressed and and it's it's just going to go sideways on us if if we keep Running down that road, it's 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 just sad sad state of affairs at this current juncture. So let's look forward. Let's not look past, but let's look forward to the Baylor Bears. So Baylor coming in zero and seven. They're the only winless Power Five football team. They lost to an FCS school in Liberty. They lost to Duke at football, not basketball, but football. Uh, they lost to our hometown UTSA Roadrunners. What's up in Big Twelve play? They've been. Still winless, but they've played significantly better. They they were able to erase a twenty six to six deficit against West Virginia and are two point conversion away from overtime. Uh, they have a lead on OU late and they have a game winning drive and then they fumble um, 
at the, there's a strip sack and they fumble it after recovering an onside kick to, to you know, basically have a, a game-winning drive against OU. So Kyle, is this is this the proverbial, and I hate this term, trap game for, for Texas heading into Saturday? I think we're going to talk about Texas's outcome and how they get to a bowl, but uh, they have to win this one. This, this, this in Kansas, uh, they they have to win these games where where they're definitely the, the favorite team. And Texas is actually favored, which is a big thing. Uh, favored by yeah, seven buddy. in this game. I think the line opened at ten and a half and has gone down to seven after people watched the tape. That this is a how do you say this? The best winless team I've I've uh, I've seen in a long time. Um, <laughs> I don't really want to play this Baylor team now. I would have loved to play them earlier in the season. Um, they actually switched to a to a freshman quarterback that that started that twenty three point unanswered streak, um, and he looked good. Uh, you know, did all that in the fourth quarter. Uh, they had a freshman receiver, so they're young. They're you know they're getting better. Um, they're still winless, so we we still again should win this, but it's dangerous. Luckily. Their defense is very, very, very bad. Um, and the only time we've played a defense that was very, very, very bad, not just mediocre, was San Jose State. And so I would love a San Jose San Jose State meant uh, game. Uh, see what I did there, um, where they come out and beat Baylor fifty-six to zero. And not only because um, I'm dating a girl who went to Baylor, but uh, but just in general, that would be nice for the uh, the University of Texas psyche. Um, so if they could find a way to get some offense working and really overpower a very bad offensive unit, that would be great. I don't think they're going to hold a Baylor offense to zero, even with that really good, incredible defense we spent so much time talking about. But uh, they need to win this. They need to uh, – this is going to definitely be the de- the best defense that Baylor uh, offense has played. So I think it's going to come back down a little from where it is. But it's a good team. Um, and so I think that Texas can win this. I, I think they should win this. And I'm really hoping they can do it soundly to get get some spirit in these guys to get something uh, to hold on to to say yeah we can do this we can win we're a good team we can, we know how to put it together it doesn't help that uh, we're we're in a kind of a quarterback flux again but uh, but I think against a bad Baylor team we can work some things out and this might be a time to get some gel and cohesiveness going forward what do you think about this one you mentioned the biggest thing that concerns me is the quarterback position you know uh herman talked about it today or not today yesterday in the in the uh press conference you know ellinger in the concussion protocols day to day he's not wearing pads he's not you know he's not working out he's kind of just standing there and observing so you've got you know bushell taking snaps with the ones you've got gerard hurd who has arguably been the most consistent receiver on the team like you know, maybe Reggie, maybe Lil Jordan, but I think overall, uh, Gerard is probably been one of the more consistent guys on the team. So he's he's no longer playing receiver this week. He's switching back mm-hmm. to quarterback as as the second string guy. So you've got that weird status. I think that's the biggest thing that worries me about this week is is the quarterback play. His this is and again, this is not a shot at Bouchelle. I love Shane Bouchelle. I think he's a heck of a quarterback. It's just it seems like the offense is stagnant with him in the backfield this year, and so uh, that worries me going into a game where Texas has to has to win. Like you know, I I think the must win game thing is is overused, but I do think this is a must win game. If you lose this game to Baylor, then I don't I don't know if there's any helping you. And I think. Tom Herman catches some some uh, some justified heat at yeah. that point. Um, I obviously don't think he'll be on the hot seat, the you know the the sports cliche, but I do think that that is a thing. And here's the thing, like you mentioned, if Bale, if they put up what they should put up against Baylor, if they win by three or four scores, and they feel a little swagger, I I've said it all year. I just have this feeling. This is the kind of team that is going to ruin somebody's mm-hmm. year. 
and and TCU is the one that they could ruin their stinking year. And I would I would love that. I would love to see them go into Fort Worth and just be riding high off of just absolutely just mud hole stomping Baylor and and shocking TCU. I I this is again my own personal thing. I think Kenny Hill is is a great quarterback, but I also think Kenny Hill can also Kenny Hill and he can basket case on you and, and throw a four interception game. So, and I think this is the defense that could do it to him in two weeks. So uh, I think if they can come out and play like they need to play against Baylor and really put a win on the, put a good win on the scoreboard uh, that can set them up to pick up that game, closing out the year that, that they have to win, uh, you know, whether it's against TCU, Virginia, West Virginia or, or tech, uh, one of those three games they have to win. And so I think it would be nice to pick it up early and go into those last two, last two, three games knowing that okay we've got a little bit of cushion um but yeah this is this is a must win for them and i think if they win it and things go well uh tcu could look a little differently in two weeks let me tell you just a little bit about uh, a baylor texas game being a season changer i went last year to the baylor game and baylor came in six and oh they kept moving up the rankings they were number eight in one poll number six in another charlie was going to get fired you know it was just we were in we were in very different straits uh Texas won that game. It was crazy. I think they won by 1.3534. Um, and I was right in the end zone where they, they had the, the last touchdown. I mean, it was crazy. Um, since that game, Baylor is 1-13. in 13, um, And they are 0-12 in the regular season. They ended up, because they had such a good start, they, they made it to a bowl game and they beat Boise State. But they have not won a football game in the regular season since. Like that, they have been crushed. Texas stole their their soul. Um, I don't want that to change. <laughs> but I, I, I'm seriously saying is is I would like Texas to come in, do something again. Uh, you know, crush a little, crush a little Baylor soul some more, and 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 ride that into a into a sweep. Why not? Why not change the whole dynamic of the season and come up with with uh, with five wins in our remaining games beat Baylor take that momentum into TCU have Kenny Till Kenny Trill do some some things where uh you know he falls asleep on some plays like he does in some uh college station uh planters and uh and <laughs> and uh and then take that into Kansas uh which you know is is rivalry game this year after what happened last year um inexplicably win one in Morgantown at night in a, in a, in a crazy place that you described earlier as being Mars, which I think is accurate and then finish up on Thanksgiving against tag. And then we're looking at a team that's eight and four with all the momentum going into a bowl with a championship caliber defense. Uh, and this will obviously require some kind of semblance of offensive identity that no team in the country wants to play the same way. USC looked at the end of the year, like they were the best team in the country. They, they just, uh, and Penn State, the two best teams that got matched up, um, it, and you don't want to run into them. That's what I think. Best case scenario, again, we're being sunshine pumpers here, or I am. Uh, if Texas <laughs> really comes out and has the uh, has the change of season game that I'm hoping they can have against Baylor, but I'm also the guy who just spent a few minutes talking about how pessimistic I am over our heart heart wrenching, you know, one score losses the past couple of years. So somewhere in the middle of that, but I do think that they have to win this one. And there is a uh, little history. I think the only time they've played uh, Herman beat uh, Matt rule in, in 2015, when he was at U of H uh, over temple to win that, uh, that conference that year. Um, so I think, I don't know to me, this, uh, this has all the things in the favor for the Longhorns to, to find some things out about themselves and get some things going in this game. Whatever Kool-Aid you're drinking, can you shoot a case up to me? Because that was, that was I think the most optimistic I've ever seen you about a Texas team since Colt McCoy was under center. Like I really, I think that's where we're at. Uh, 
So let's we're going a little long this week. So let's jump in and bang the drum in honor of Big Bertha, our favorite Texas tradition. So Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? Let me bring it back down and be a little more pessimistic. Then, if that's the case, uh, <laughs> feels good. Feels yeah. right. Feels right for this podcast. I'll bang the drum on on third downs and fourth downs. Um, Texas is is defense is winning the third downs uh, in an incredible way. They, they might be the best team in the country on third downs, um, especially in some of the situations they've been put where they have three and outs and then, you know, get you know, gifted with a three and out and have to immediately have another stop against some incredible offenses they've played this year. But again, against Oklahoma state, as we've, you know, really, really preached, they, uh, they held them to 27%, five of 18 on third down. Um, and this was a battle of two really, really good punters, um, two semifinalists for the Ray Guy Award, um, and their punter has a wonderful uh, signer for Heisman website that you should all go check out. It's very GeoCities. It's phenomenal. It's great. Um, so I was I, I was joking in the pregamer this week that the battle of the punters would be the most important thing, and it actually kind of was um, because as, as good as, uh, as they were on third downs on defense, they were that good on fourth downs on offense because most of our fourth downs uh, were punts where we had gone an utterly – horrendous three for 17, 18% on third down conversion. So we literally relied on Michael Dixon. And as much as I love Malik Jefferson, I no longer joke to say that Dixon is the best player on this Texas football team. Uh, he had 11 punts for 560 yards. None of them were really returnable. He pinned almost all of them inside the 20, even if he was in tough positions. I think he may have won himself the Ray Guy Award on a, on a, on a big game that a lot of people were watching against another big punter. Again, this is not a punter's podcast. But, uh, but yeah, I, it's it, not. <laughs> it might it might turn into one. I mean, that's yeah. Right now, that's the best thing we have to talk about. But uh, he might be the one guy uh, getting the uh, the postseason award show uh, after that game. So Texas defense on on third downs, and yay Texas offense on on fourth downs. I'll, I'll take it. You know, I, I'm glad we found something something to be optimistic about because that it it was getting tough or pessimistic. I guess would be uh, where we needed to go to to feel more comfortable. So my my bang the drum this week. Is I said it. I've said it before, and I kind of, I kind of spoiled myself. But what is this team's identity? Like, what, what is going on? Um, I'm not a hundred percent confident that they, that they even know. I think uh, you mentioned it before that a, a good coaching staff, a, a competent coaching staff, a coaching staff that's worth the millions of dollars they're being paid, finds a way to take the talent that they have and and adjust to it. You know. I, I was all all aboard the fire Greg Davis. Like I'm not going to stand here and act like I wasn't all aboard fire Greg Davis. I was right there on the message boards. I was a shaggy Bevo troll. <laughs> I was I was fire Greg Davis to the T. But the thing with Greg Davis was, like you said, he adjusted. He had Ricky Williams. And so let's let's give Ricky the ball 20 30 times a game and let Ricky do Ricky. Oh, we've got we've got this kid Vincent Young, which everybody remembers they called him Vincent Young coming out of high school, which is just magnificent. Uh we've got this kid Vincent who can run the ball, who's great at the zone read. He's got this funky throwing motion, so we're not going to expect him to to throw a ton, but he's going to beat you on the zone read. He's going to beat you with his legs. Oh, and then we got this kid Colt McCoy, who's great as a great decision maker, got a great head on his shoulders, not the strongest arm, so he's not going to really be the guy to throw the 10-yard out that get picked off and go the other way so what do we do comeback routes what do we do zone read oh we've got jamal charles with this guy we're gonna we're gonna run the ball down your throat so that was with all the heat greg davis took toward the end about being a lazy lazy evaluator which absolutely he was um he was good at adjusting to the talent on his on his team and i don't think that has happened in this in this current iteration of the texas offense again the 
their net rushing yards this year are atrocious. There are three games as a rushing team where they are under 100 yards rushing. There are three games this year that they're under 100 yards rushing. They're averaging 3.67 yards per rush. And I know that if you're not getting it on the ground, you've got to shift from it. But but then sh- actually shift from it because they're above 35 attempts on all but one game this year. So you've got to figure out what are you going to do? How are you going to do it? Figure it out. Who you are on offense because that's the only way you're going to actually get something. Is if you could find an identity, figure out who you are, and, and move forward with it, that's, that's the only way that you progress. Well, that is it for this week, guys. Thank you so much for listening in. Again, if you like what we do, it would mean a lot if you'd leave us a rating on iTunes, share it with a friend, share it with a coworker, someone you know loves Texas sports. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you found this podcast. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Kyle Carpenter. As I mentioned, you can find me uh, with the Texas pregamer over at Barking Carnival every week. Uh, now the basketball season's starting back up, I anticipate, uh, as soon as I can find a little more time. I'm writing uh, for Pounding the Rock, also on SB Nation, uh, for all your San Antonio Spurs needs, so check that out. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I am at G.H. Goodridge. You can find the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod, and feel free to send us an email at LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. You can find all the best Texas Longhorns news, sports, and opinions at BurntOrangeNation.com. Thank you so much for listening again, and until next time, hook them. Hook them and go Astros.